Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. Now it's time for a Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knapsack. Welcome to the 120th edition of Spotlight Star Wars. I'm Ken Napsuck. Happy to be here with y'all. 
2015, right before The Force Awakens, a couple months before is when we launched the Force Center podcast feed. I think the first episode, official episode, was me breaking down The Force Awakens poster with Christian Harloff who called in. I think Mark Riley in another episode right, right after that. Then it's Grimshaw and I, you know, we were already uh, a team with Jennifer Landa, but we really got rolling after that. But I, I love going back to the the early days where we would just speculate responsibly, or as I think maybe we'll call it, respeculate. Hashtag respeculate. No, speculate responsibly. It's important. We want to have this joy for Star Wars, but we don't want to grab on to our expectations so tightly that we don't enjoy what comes down the pipeline for us in these movies, these books, these comics. And the books has been the focus as of late here on Four Center Spotlight Star Wars, this one right here, my show, my monologue from me to you. So last time out, uh, we've been doing the Star Wars ranks with uh, Andres Cabrera. Hope you guys enjoyed those. Uh, best quotes in the prequels, best lines in the prequels, I should say. And uh, what do we, oh, the lightsaber fights. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, Ace, as we like to call him, uh, is uh, just very... Very knowledgeable, very insightful when it comes to Star Wars. And you're going to be hearing him on Force Center more and more uh, as I uh, try to get him into a regular guest rotation on some of these programs. I like saying programs, and I like saying uh, Star Wars things with Ace, Andres. So uh, if you like those episodes, tweet Ace, Squad Leader Ace. Let him know that you liked it. Uh, you liked hearing him talk about Star Wars. And we've been uh, talking about the books here on Spotlight, like I said, last time out, Darth Vader. We finished our look, our closer look at the return of, the, I almost said revenge, the return of the Jedi novelization, written by James Caan. Not that one, as we've determined. And, wow, very insightful. I think of all the novelizations, that one might bring the most insight, which is why I started with it, which is odd because that's actually how I started Star Wars, was Return of the Jedi. Now, I did see New Hope first. A lot of you do know, know that if you've been longtime listeners of the show, but I was one. I don't remember it. I was in a drive-in. But Return of the Jedi, seven years of age is when I saw that one. May of 1983, and that launched the love. That launched the celebration of Star Wars that continues in my heart to this very day. But it also meant I had to go back and see Empire Strikes Back after I'd seen Return of the Jedi, which means for me... The big Darth Vader reveal was viewed a lot differently. And the some of the events of the Empire Strike, Strikes Back viewed a lot differently for me. Now, I will say this. At 7, when I saw Return of the Jedi, and then you follow that up with New, A New Hope. Now, actually, that's, that's right. So, to even clarify even more, I saw Return of the Jedi... And then on VHS, maybe a rental from Movies to Go in Grover Beach, California. That's right, represent... I watched A New Hope, or, you know, again, as we called it then, uh, Star Wars. And then I watched Empire Strikes Back. And I remember, I, need, I kept, like, saying, like, Mom, I need to, there's, like, a third one. I need to watch the third one. I need that one in my life. I need to put all the pieces together. And it finally happened at a friend's house, a little party, sat down, watched uh, The Empire Strikes Back, blown away. But what was interesting is because I saw Return of the Jedi first, yes, I didn't experience Empire as, say, intended, uh, the big reveal, Vader, uh, Luke's father, all that good stuff. It was like, all right, yeah, yeah, we already, I, already, I already know what's behind the mask. 
but I was young enough to where I wasn't, it wasn't as if I was completely spoiled. The movie kind of, I was surprised at every turn. Like, oh, he is his father. Okay, that makes, Return of the Jedi makes a lot more sense now. Um, so in that spirit, I got a couple uh, novelizations pulled down from the bookshelf. And I was going to, initially I was going to do a choice. I was going to do, this is kind of a shorter spotlight Star Wars today. And listener memories, in memoriams, all that stuff will be coming. The holidays, the switch of the new year, uh, some other projects, and two illnesses. <laughs> have derailed my Force Center Spotlight Star Wars recording and writing schedule. In Memoriams will return. I promise. They're not gone. And eh, maybe some more fun things on Spotlight Star Wars. Uh, little uh, bi-weekly segments. Anyways, I pulled down two books because I was going to say, maybe we'll do a choice. Maybe you guys out there listening will determine the direction we want to go next. And then as I was about to press record, I just started looking through the Empire Strikes Back novel. And I said, nah, you know, we're going we're gonna to stay the course. And we're going to do this. We're going to take a look at the Return of the Jedi novel. I guess I could take a look at the New Hope novel and go in the order that I saw the movies. But got the Empire Strikes Back novelization right here. Written by Donald F. Glut. G-L-U-T. Not Glut. That would need an E. Glut. I like that name. That's a powerful author name. Glut. Um, the other book I had by Terry Brooks, based on the screenplay and story by George Lucas. I was going to look at Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I have the Padme cover, which is funny. It does not look uh, you know, that much different from the new Padme novel coming out. So everyone's got the split screen art. This is just Padme in her uh, Naboo Queen getup. Staring daggers into you, the Trade Federation's heart and yours as you pick up the book. So I was going to take a look at that. But we're going to do Empire. We're going to do Empire. All right. All right. But don't worry. In this, the 20th year anniversary of The Phantom Menace, you know, here on Force Center, we already got our Phantom Menace commentary out there on YouTube. Check it out if you haven't. But we are going to be diving into The Phantom Menace for sure. Uh, we are prequelists here. But that does not mean that we didn't have an interesting journey to get to that point. All of us. And sometimes Jennifer is still trying to work through her feelings on The Phantom Menace or the prequels. Joseph and I still have little issues or little things that we love to discuss. And also, I just love to... I do love poking a little fun at the prequels. I love them so much. I love Star Wars so much. But don't forget to occasionally poke a little fun at it. It's one of the reasons I love doing databank brawl. We get to have a little fun with these characters that we know or sometimes don't know. So all that said, we are going to be doing a lot of Phantom Menace programming uh, on Force Center and particularly here, Spotlight Star Wars. So we will be going through the Phantom Menace novelization by Terry Brooks as we get closer to what May would be the actual anniversary. We'll do it around then, okay? So I'm giving you all a heads up, too, if you don't have the book. Or maybe you have the book buried on your shelf or buried in the back of the closet. You want to pull it down and maybe read it. I'm not going to go chapter by chapter or anything. But we'll see what kind of revelations and insights we can pull from that novel now, 20 years later, and compare it to, to the movies and compare it to what we know of Phantom Menace and what we uh, pull from it, what we understand from it, and all that stuff. But right now, we are going to start today with the Empire Strikes Back novel. I've been having a lot of fun doing this. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoy just me kind of reading you a bedtime story. And what I love about it, why we take, took that big dive into the Return of the Jedi novel, it began with me pulling something out of the, the novel for a project I'm working on. I was doing some research, and I just, you know, I hadn't read the novel in 
25 years, right? Maybe even more. And I just was blown away. Some of the stuff, the stuff we discussed last time out with the, um, the stuff we did last time out with the, the, uh, uh, Vader and the last moments with Luke, all that stuff like that, uh, that was in my mind, you know, especially Vader feeling the tears of Luke on his face. That, that never left my mind for when I read that novel. I was probably eight or nine when I read that novel. I, I, I was a big reader as a kid. Still am, but I was one of those kids. Like, the scholastic, uh, you know, paper, little catalogs, scholastic books of America thing you get in elementary school. I'd race home, circle the ones I want, beg my parents to let me get them. I was a big reader, so I hadn't really read that Return of the Jedi novel since I was a kid. So as I was thumbing through it, looking for the chapter uh, with Obi-Wan uh, revealing himself to Luke and some secrets that I was, I, was, I was trying to research for something else. Just stumbled on that, that, that Mon Mothma uh, entry and was just blown away by how accurate that was and, and, and wanted to take a pause and say there's some insight in these novels. Insight that the, that the modern-day new canon Star Wars pulls from, keeps in line with, they don't stray far from what was there, from what was there in George's original ideas, intentions, and everything. And I really, truly, truly believe that, and I think you can learn that by going back. So I wanted to focus in the beginning of the novel here, the introduction of Han Solo. Han Solo in Chapter 1 of The Empire Strikes Back by Donald F. Glut. Uh, and this is not so much insight. It's stuff that we I think was all there, but I'm, I'm talking about perspective, and it's Han, Han is my favorite Star Wars character, right? You guys have heard me say that before. And I, it's funny, you just sometimes don't know why. You sometimes don't know why growing up, why you gravitate to these characters. Now, if you're, say, a, a female fan in the 80s when you didn't have a lot of choices and you're a Star Wars fan, and you I, okay, the, yeah, Leia's on your, on your list. Doesn't mean that's the only character. Doesn't mean Leia has to be your favorite character uh, either. I'm just saying, all right, I, that, that's, you can make that leap and go, all right, that's why this person likes Leia. Or that's why I like Leia. Uh, Joseph Scrimshaw talks about Luke Skywalker was his favorite character. And that had a lot to do. Eventually, he sees himself and finds himself in that character. But initially, it was he and his brother divided up figures, Kenner action figures, and he kind of got a Luke. And, and Han became his brother's favorite. Luke was his. And that kind of that kind of leads you through life. So for me, it was Han. And I don't quite know. Because here I am. I'm seeing Return of the Jedi first. That's the first movie I see. And Han is... You know, spends the first half of the movie in carbonite, useless. Wax Boba Fett's back and saves the day, saves Lando, but he's not doing much, right? He's, he's being rescued. And then he goes to the forest moon of Endor to lead a strike force and the Pathfinders, uh, as they were called. And he's a hero, right? It's pretty cut and dry. Pretty cut and dry. And if you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back and you hadn't really remembered or taken in A New Hope, some of the big themes of um, some of the big themes of, of Han's existence and career and character and all the, all that stuff, maybe it might be lost on you. And so I think it was slightly lost on me in uh, 1983. I think just I liked Han. Cause he was he was a good guy. He was a cool dude. He was the leader there. Uh, you know, Luke and Leia are leading as well, clearly. But you know, here's Han, got the trench coat on. He's snapping uh, twigs and then beating up biker scouts and 
and doing the cool bait and switch by climbing in the ATST. Like, I, you know, you just liked it. As a kid, I'm just like, I, okay, I like this guy. And then I see Empire, then the I know moment. I like, oh, that seems really cool. Like, wow, yeah, I like that. And then he saves the day. He's part of the saving the day team in New Hope. He comes back, right? But as a youngster, you, all that's kind of lost on you. The deeper themes, which is, again, why I love Star Wars so much. You can talk about the core. There's so many cores of Star Wars that everything kind of connects to. And I think it all goes back to George Lucas. I say it till I'm blue in the face. I will never stop saying it. George Lucas says this is for 12-year-olds on the cusp of adulthood, learning morality, learning what choices are, what choices, not to say the choices they should make, but what choices they make, uh, you know, what those lead to and what the cost is, what the victory is behind those choices. And I think Star Wars always ties back to that. It always needs to tie back to that and, and along the way have fun serial-style adventures. Joy. Star Wars needs joy. Uh, that's part of it, too. Do I... Always think it has to have to have has to have the happy go lucky return of the Jedi ending. Yub nub. No, not necessarily. I love Rogue One. It's bittersweet. It's sad. It, it, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of death. And at, uh, Rogue One may may be the least joyful Star Wars film, but I still think there's little joys in there. There's little joys we have as fans. And some of those little joys in Rogue One are just seeing you know the Y wings show up or Red Leader, Gold Leader, that kind of stuff. I think that's part of it too. But Joy is part of Star Wars, too. But all that to say, it's simple stuff, right? Morality, choices, joy, action, adventure. But there's these themes, and they're present, and they've always been present. We're looking at Han Solo right now today when he walks in, excuse me, runs in on top of his tauntaun, dismounts, and kind of uh, takes in what's in front of him here. And this is what Donald F. Glutt wrote. Han was beginning to wonder if he were mellowing with age. At first, he had no personal interest or in or loyalty to this whole rebel affair. His ultimate involvement in the conflict between Empire and Rebel Alliance began as a mere business transaction. Selling his services in the use of his ship, the Millennium Falcon, the job had seemed simple enough. Just pilot Ben Kenobi, plus young Luke and two droids to the Alderaan system. How could Han have known at the time that he would also be called on to rescue a princess for the Empire's most feared battle station, the Death Star? Princess Leia Organa. The more Solo thought about her, the more he realized how much trouble he eventually bought himself by accepting Ben Kenobi's money. All Han wanted originally was to collect his fee and rock it off to pay back some bad debts that hung over his head like a meteor ready to fall. Never had he intended to become a hero. And yet something had kept him around to join Luke and his crazy rebel friends as they launched the now legendary space attack on the Death Star. Something. For the present, Han couldn't decide just what that something was. Just go on to say that uh, not long after the Death Star's destruction, Han was still with the Rebel Alliance. It's about three years, right? Uh, lending his assistance to establishing this base on Hoth. We now have a lot of this canon filled in by the Marvel comics, and it gets a little wild, gets a little wacky, but it's there. And it ends with, uh, but all that was about to change, he told himself, as far as he was concerned, Han Solo and the Rebels were about to blast off on divergent courses. So that's the Han we meet in Empire Strikes Back. That is the Han we meet. And... You guys know I love Solo, a Star Wars story, and I love Most Wanted by, by Ray Carson. 
the the young adult prequel book. And I love what we learned about Han. And here's the thing. It's not surprising. I, I still think that's part of, part of, I mean, we're talking 1% of maybe sometimes some people's problems with Solo, a Star Wars story. And I get it. I, I don't, I think the movie, I hate the, I, let, me, let me say this. I, I don't like the argument, Han Solo, the movie Solo, Star Wars story was not necessary. We didn't need it. Okay. I, I get that. We, we don't need almost any movie, right? I, I don't need the plate of pasta a cheesecake I, i'll probably have for dinner at some point this week i don't need that either but yet there it is and i can enjoy it and not feel guilty about it. but i understand i think a lot of the things we see and learn in solo a star wars story are things that were already there i just love the complete picture it paints and one of the reasons i think i love it is this han solo following this character and learning more about this character has been very rewarding for someone like me who grew up a Han Solo fan, but maybe didn't know why. Everything on the surface made sense. And it's interesting to even think going back to 2015 and Force Awakens. We talk uh, we talk about Luke. We talk about Luke failing and Luke running away and Luke hiding up on a hill on a forgotten island and people. some people aren't happy with that or... Um, don't like the way that goes, and uh, fair enough. But I think it's funny, we didn't talk, you didn't hear as much about Han Solo. And The Force Awakens begins with Han having run off. Han having failed and thinking he's failed and running back to what he feels he does and knows best, smuggling. And Chewie, ever loyal, Ever present at his side, though I'm sure Chewie says some things. I don't think it's just his life, Dad. I think Chewie Chewie's all on board with it too. But you know, I think Chewie also says some things in his ear, whispers in his ear, gets some thoughts going into his head. Um, I, it's I just don't, there wasn't that hubbub. Han dies. I guess in the back of our heads we thought, well, Luke was uh, Luke was going to save the day, and he did. He did. Luke saved the day. That's a different discussion, though. Just didn't save it the way we wanted, or some people wanted, or maybe we thought. And I'm in that crowd. I'm in that crowd. I was part of the Still Saunders Ignite the Green hashtag crowd, man. I had a different vision for what happened to Luke Skywalker, even knowing that he had run off. I was all on board with Grumpy Luke. I love, you can go back and listen to some of I love the idea of Grumpy Luke. Now I love it even more. But the same could be said for Han Solo. Force Awakens comes on out. We have Leia. That's her character. That's what she does. She sticks it out. She ain't got time to bleed. Alderaan's been blown up. Luke's sad about Ben. Leia's got all She'll comfort him. And that comes out of, I think, a little bit of an air in uh, the presentation of Leia and A New Hope. A little bit of underwritten uh, moment uh, for Leia. You know what I mean? Um, but that's care. It, it, it works. It ends up really, really working for the character of Leia. And here in Force Awakens, she's standing tall. She's in charge. She hasn't run away, even though she's made some mistakes, even though she probably thinks she's failed. She has to feel as though, we know she feels as though she failed with Ben Solo. Shouldn't have sent him away. Maybe she should have told him about Vader in a different way. All those things in her, but she is still here, part of the resistance, leading the resistance part of the fight. 
Hans run away. He's on the Iravada. He's smuggling Rathtars. He has run away as well. And I remember seeing that back then going, huh, I, I don't know if I wanted Han and Leia to be separated. And Han's out and about. Does that make sense to me? Again, this is just 2015. Does that make sense to me? I've grown up with Han. He is my favorite character. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, it absolutely makes sense. And it ties back to what we've just read here in the Empire Strikes Back novel. It's so interesting to think in 1980. Think about it. Put yourself in that frame of mind. If you're watching this in 1980, you've just watched A New Hope. Coming out in 77, three years ago. And you've probably watched it in some re-release showings. Can't remember when Star Wars first debuted on network television, so you could maybe 
tape it off the TV. I think that came a little bit later, right? So I'm going to check my technology timeline. But you got the, the Death Star's been destroyed. Han's got a medal, not one for Chewie. Han's, Han's back. He's on the team. He ran away, but he came back. Well, I think it's tremendously interesting that Empire Strikes Back starts three years later. And Han, the first thing he's doing, his friend is out there in the cold, not even back. He's going to check a meteorite. Great, Luke. I'm leaving. Like, was Han even going to wait for Luke to come back? Hey, kid, we're out of here. You want to come with us again? No. All right, you're sticking with the Rebel Alliance three years. That makes sense. I don't know. It's kind of a scoundrel thing to do when you think about it. Echo 3 to Echo 7. Han, old buddy, do you read me? Yeah, what's up, Luke? Well, there's, a, there's a meteor nearby. All right, cool. You check it out. I'm going to leave. <laughs> but they start the movie with that. It's one of the great things about The Empire Strikes Back because they got to expand the story, and they didn't know. Lucas didn't know if he was going to get a sequel. So A New Hope is this perfect, nice, three-act hero's journey story. Yes, Vader, Vader flies off into space, but, you know, I don't think anyone was. I'm sure. I'm sure some people were. I'm sure. I'm sure the lights come up on theaters in 1977, and some people turn to their friends and go, "I think they can make another one and bring Darth Vader back." I'm sure, but uh, you know, it doesn't seem as prevalent. You just didn't know. It wasn't the same. You know, the Planet of the Apes movies got some sequels, and they got progressively worse. So maybe you weren't thinking that at the time, even though George might have been. He didn't know if he'd get that chance, but he gets that chance, and he opens it up. He and Lawrence Kasdan, and of course the late Lee Brackett, they open up on the idea that Han has, after three years, after three years, don't even worry about the new Marvel canon or something if you haven't read that or you're not on board with that. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Three years around the galaxy helping the rebels to establish a base after having to run from Yavin after having been on the run through all of uh, the galaxy following this. The Empire's been striking back since the New Hope. They regroup and probably struck back immediately, right? Han's like, I'm out of here. It's enough. That's enough for me. It's a weird choice. It's an interesting choice. If that had happened in 2017, if 2015's the first Star Wars we ever get... And 2017 comes along and episode eight begins with some of her heroes being like, I'm out. And and, and Finn kind of does that. But I don't think Finn, I think part of The Last Jedi was to show that Finn hadn't, I mean, it's been, a, it's been like a week or so, right? Because the movies seven and eight are so close together. Finn hadn't made that choice. We had some time between those movies, but Finn didn't. Finn ran away for out of fear. Out of, yes, a little bit of moral quandary, but fear. He fails on the two and all village, Force Awakens. He does not fire on the villagers. On the villagers, he, he does not fire. Phasma's mad at him. Kylo Ren senses it. Finn runs away. So he hasn't joined yet. So I don't know if it's a direct equivalent. So imagine it. Now, I think I think there'd be a lot of podcasts having some problems. Han Han got a medal, and now Han's running away. 
but that is his character. That is the battle in Han's life up until the moment he dies. It's the poetry of seeing Ray being taken by Kylo Ren on Takadana. Finn saying that we got to do something. That's Ray. We got to go. We got to save her. And Han says, yeah, I know. I saw her. Let's get out of here. You know, now he's going to go back. He's afraid of Ben. Leia sends him on that mission. Han finally chooses to stick for good, and it cost him his life. But even then, it's kind of loyal to Leia, right? So this, this statement here, this statement for the present, Han couldn't decide just what that something was, what was keeping him around. Yeah, it's easy to say love. Oh, we see, especially on screen. He's got eyes for Leia. She's got eyes for him. We see it. It's part of the sweeping romance of Empire Strikes Back. We love it. But I love this line. The more Solo thought about her, the more he realized how much trouble he eventually bought himself by accepting Ben Kenobi's money. But that's Han, right? Kira says to Han, you're the good guy, Han. (laughs) The real moment, though, between them is, is in Most Wanted by Ray Carson. I think it's one of the best moments in the character of Han Solo's life, and it's a great moment. It's from Kira's point of view, which makes it more powerful. We're not hearing Han think, oh, yeah, you know what, I'm a good guy. We're seeing it and feeling it and experiencing it through Kira's eyes. And it's that moment they're on the run, and Han just kind of says some things, nice things about her. No, you're the most brilliant mind. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but, you know, the most brilliant mind. You're you're, you're great. Um, And it wasn't a flirt. It wasn't... Um, disingenuous, it was sincere and it had to do with Kira as a person not a thing, not an object and she sees that in Han and that's how she knows Han is a good guy and all these things he wants to be are things he probably cannot be at least for a long period of time Han though Han though wants to be those things and I understand I am someone who has suffered from that fear of being what you're maybe supposed to be or feel like you're supposed to be. I'm one of those people that shrinks from greater responsibilities, or greater goals, or greater purposes, even if it's to my benefit. I'm afraid of that. Apathy it rolls on into other things like depression, but I feel that. And, and, and it's so funny. I don't know. Han becomes my favorite character because I like his cool blaster. I like his ship. I like his trench coat. I love what he does in Return of the Jedi. Han sticks, right? Han sticks. We talked about the Return of the Jedi novel. You get to see that moment through Leia's eyes when Crix Medin says, all right, Solo's going to be leading the strike force, the strike team on Endar. Leia looks at him in the movie. We see it like that. But in the novel, we get to see a little bit more. We get to see it from Leia's point of view. And that is the first time she sees that Han is stuck around. She sees the change in Han then it's not an empire. So it was all there. It was all there. The force was at work for me, and I don't know if it was at work for all of you who are fans of Han as you've gotten older. What, what can we continue to learn from Han that was built into this character from the core? I know the moment in Solo, a Star Wars story, in which Han gets his name is not a favorite for a lot of people. I like it. If it wasn't in the movie, I don't. I wouldn't have called for it. I wouldn't have missed it. When Iger said it, when Iger basically spoiled that plot point during an Iger con a long time ago, 
I was one of the ones who was like, that can't be right. This is figurative, not literal that Bob Iger's talking about. Nope, turns out he was spoiling a scene, quite literally. But I, I really do love uh, Number one, I just love how the scene is played. I love, we've talked about it here in Force Center. We love the indifference of the Empire, the imperial indifference. Um, all right, I guess your name's Solo, whatever. But I love the look on Alden Ehrenreich's face. I urge you to watch it again if it's not one of your favorite scenes. And I don't, you know, I don't think you need to love that scene to to love Han Solo or to love Star Wars or even love the movie, whatever. But if you're on the fence of it, uh, this is this is a little bit of uh, you know, Star Wars counseling's Joseph's things, but a little spotlight Star Wars counseling. Go watch it again. It's it's one of Alden Ehrenreich's finer moments because I think in that moment he's hearing it and he says Han Solo. Yes, that is me. That is who I am. There's a little, you know, he's got morality, but there's a little bit of an amoral sense there. He doesn't care about the empire. He doesn't care about the rebels. He cares about people. We talk about this a lot. He cares about people. He's mouthing off to his superiors on Mimbom, not because, you know, he feels for the rebels in terms of a cause, but he just kind of, you know, we're not treating those those species. I, I say people, but you know what I mean in Star Wars. We're not treating... Uh, we're not treating the Mimini's correct. It's not so much about the Empire. He's using the Empire as, a, as an end to, uh, to, you know, an end to a means. A means to an end. An end to a mean. A means to an end. You know what I mean. Yes, I do. That's the end. All right. He is going to learn to fly. He's going to get a ship. And he'll go back for Kira. He goes back for Chewbacca. Chewbacca, he goes back for Lando. But he also lets Chewbacca go, which I think Chewbacca respects. Which is why when he goes back for Lando, Chewie's like, oh, I get it. Kira's right. But I I find this deep theme, this connection that we all can struggle with at times. You look down the end of the path and there might be some hard work, but you might not want to you know in your heart that you belong down that path, but it's it's a little daunting and it's a little hard. And I think that's why Han has finally had enough at the beginning of Empire. I think he looks around and and, and sees it's a little hopeless. At that time, he's been in fights. He's been in battles. He came back to save the day with Luke and New Hope. But I don't think Han wants to die for the rebellion. In, in Empire Strikes Back. He springs into action. He protects his friends. He's loyal. He'll fight Vader. Ah, it's a great Han moment. Door opens. There's Vader having, getting ready to have dinner with him. He doesn't even think, doesn't hesitate, shoots, costs him. Han doesn't plan. He dives in. Those are That's another one of his traits. But in Empire Strikes Back, there's... No part of him that I think wants to die for the rebellion. And I think that's why he looks around and looks at what they're facing up. Uh, the, the Empire's on the way. You know, he's going to go, he'll, he'll destroy a probot. He'll go out there with Chewie. He'll do his part. But he's ready to go. He sticks around because Luke is missing. He sticks around. You got your clearance to go. Now go. He sticks around to save Leia. And he ends up getting trouble, putting carbonite. And when he wakes up, when he comes out of it, he's a little more committed. 
but then immediately starts to struggle with it again. Han the dad, Han the husband, Han the parent and father, all that kind of stuff. Who is this Han Solo? We talked about this on the main show. You know, he's, he's only like four years removed from wheeling, dealing Han. Four or five years from that Han and Shaman's Cantina to now he's got a kid, part of a rebellion, now part of, uh, you know, a new republic. He runs away from that. Leia's got that. Leia, you go do that. I'll help you raise the kid. I'm stepping on space Legos. Who is this guy? It's hard. It's not what I wanted to be. Empire Strikes Back. It's hard. He looks around. We're going to lose. This is not who I wanted to be. But he knows something is there. He knows something is there. The DNA was all there in front of us. The roadmap for Han's life was all there in front of us. But it's it's funny how Star Wars works because I saw a cool blaster in a trench coat and now I see myself in Han more than I ever could have thought. And that's not something new. It's not some wrinkle. That's not something the story group cooked up. That is knowing the character, Lawrence Kasdan, knowing the character and going back to the beginning. Going back to 1980 when Han Solo says two things to himself. Something had kept him around to join Luke and his crazy rebel friends. The present Han couldn't decide just what that something was. And as far as he was concerned, Han Solo and the rebels were about to blast off on divergent courses. It wasn't because he was right to think that. It wasn't because that was the thing to do. Quite the opposite. But it was all there. It was all there. And those are sometimes the things we miss when we're kids. But I think it seeps in. I think we know. I think that's part of the magic of Star Wars. You know, that Force thing. It might actually be a little real. What do you guys think about Han Solo? What have you learned about Han Solo or any other Star Wars character now compared to what you learned or didn't see or didn't learn as a kid? If you're still part of the younger generation of Star Wars fans, what things are you learning now of some of your newer favorite characters? I think because of the Star Wars media discussion world, it's a little bit more present. It's a little bit more out in the open. Hey, here's Finn's story. Here's what we know. Here's 49,000 podcasts to discuss it for center one of them, and we're glad you listen. Back then, it was all in the playgrounds. Back then, we didn't have these discussions. I wasn't at Margaret Harlow Elementary School in Royal Grande, California, talking to my friends going, don't you think it's weird that Han ran away? What do you think that says about his character? No, I was just like, and then he shot at Darth Vader, and, he, and the Darth Vader blo- blocked his, his laser bolts, and then the Han got captured and tortured, and then, he, and, then he, and then he put on a trench coat. That's why I liked Han Solo. The lessons, though, were all there. They just had to come to you at the right time. So what lessons are heading your way? Use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. We'll get back up and running, I promise, with an in-memoriam, listener memories. I'm trying to think of some other fun segments to put here in Spotlight Star Wars. Hey, if you have an idea, let me know. Reach out on Twitter. That is it. We'll see ya. May that force thing kind of sort of always remain around you. 
Thanks for listening to Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center. Follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod and follow Ken online, including Twitch at Ken Knapsack. Consider supporting Force Center on Patreon at patreon.com slash forcecenter. Go to forcecenterpod.podomatic.net for more information and use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to join the conversation. Until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.